You're listening to the Irish Times Business Podcast. Brought to you by Ryanair Business Plus. Business made simple. Hello and welcome to the Irish Times Podcast. It's Wednesday, October 15th. I'm Kieran Hancock and this week's show will review the key business and economic issues from Michael Noonan's fourth budget, which, to paraphrase Gay Byrne, had a little something for everyone in the audience. I'm joined in studio by Danny McCoy, Chief Executive of IBEC, Jack O'Connor, President of SIP2, and Arthur Beasley, Economics Editor of the Irish Times. Danny McCoy, I'll start with you. Uh, ISMI, which represents small and medium-sized businesses around the country, uh, yesterday described it as an uninspiring budget that does little for entrepreneurs and they focused in particular on the higher 11% rate that's going to be imposed on self-employed earning in excess of €100,000. What's your view? Well, um, I'll come to the self-employed piece, which I think was probably the most egregious aspect of it. But overall, I think this budget was a very strong turnaround budget because only a couple of months ago we had people talking about austerity continuing with two billion and to have mm. an expansionary budget of a billion I think has to be seen in a, in that context. This I think is a budget that may give the economy some escape velocity. I think that you know when you look around there's a lot of negative happening in our markets in, in Europe in particular. Uh, Britain which is growing strongly is beginning to show some signs of slowing down. I think Ireland needed this boost um, so I think it's a very welcome But where's budget. the business element in it? I mean, all the focus is on jobs, jobs, jobs. Uh, where, where are the jobs going to come from out of this? Well, I think if you look through the budget, it's it's more stimulatory than just on the personal income side. I think there's quite a fair bit of uh, agreement now that we've underinvested during the last number of years for obvious reasons at the start and less obvious in the last two years. Um, so I think the stimulus that's coming through in the social housing will have a dynamic right across the business community but also I think that the uh, elements of the package around the double Irish uh, will also be a significant boost to business around the R&D tax credit um, around the IP uh, particularly this new knowledge development box I think has great potential um, and, and uh, also you know getting more money into people's pockets is obviously going to help in terms of consumer demand so overall uh, I hear what Ismi are saying about the egregious nature of the 3% on mm. the self-employed, but but pretty much uh, this is a very slam dunk of a budget. I think it's one we couldn't have foreseen uh, a few months back. Jack O'Connor, what's your view? The best way of, of saying it is, th- is that uh, it does some things that point in a good direction. It's positive in the context of what we've grown accustomed to. Uh, it sends some positive signals uh, that, that being said, I think it misses some opportunities that presented. I, I think the, the distribution of of what was available to distribute c- could have been distributed more equitably. Well, let's uh, let's uh, focus maybe on that missed opportunity. What do you think they, they should have done to stimulate jobs and stimulate the economy? Well, well, uh, well, well. Actually, the more equitable the budget is, the better it stimulates jobs and and, and economic growth. But, but specifically in terms of, of, of clarifying what I mean, I, I think that the, the resources which were available for, for tax alleviation uh, should have been focused more in the direction of the USC uh, than uh, in, in the way they were distributed. Uh, and, and that would have given uh, a, a, a greater return to people on lower incomes while still providing something for well, people. They have focused on people for with people low income, haven't they, in, in the changes uh, they made to the USC. The, the, there was and they've hit those on 70, earning 70 grand or more. The, the, there was a, a focus on people below 12,000 
and uh, and there was something for everybody, as as you said it in your in, in your opening remarks. Not a great deal, but there wasn't a great deal uh, to distribute either. Uh, but 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 the emphasis should have been more in 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 favour of those, uh, particularly those uh, between the minimum wage and the top and the top end of the standard rate band. Mm. Uh, they they didn't come out of it very well, and I think there's about uh, three quarters of a million uh, people in there and uh, and that's a lot of spending power um and 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 I think that 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 would have been better I also think uh, that uh, that that there is a business uh, and economic implication of uh, the failure to deal adequately uh, with the the water charge issue um I, I I think that the 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 approach they adopted is the mm. correct approach via uh, the, 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 the measures that were taken. Um, a better way of doing it would have been a refundable tax credit. Um, but, but the amount of money involved is not adequate to address uh, uh, the, 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 the enormity of the antipathy uh, that is out there, among, particularly among people uh, on lower incomes in relation to that issue. Okay, Arthur, I want to bring you in at this point because this is the first non-austerity budget, if you like, since the crash. What are we left with? Well, uh, we're left with uh, pretty modest gains at the level of uh, taxpayers and at the level of people who are dependent on social welfare. And at the end of the, uh, this period of huge retrenchment, we're left with a national debt, which is roughly 160 billion euro greater than the level of the debt in 2006, which is the year immediately before the banking system entered the much, turmoil. That how much are we us. going to borrow next year just to fund the, the state? The exchequer borrowing requirement next year will be six and a half billion euro. So that's over half a billion a month. Yes. Effectively. Danny McCoy, why are we still borrowing that level of money? Why are we giving money back to people when we're still borrowing that level of money, I should say? Well, first thing to note is that the borrowing is not the problem in and of itself. It's the sustainability of it and can you repay that back. And so stand back. Any business that has debts isn't in the business to be just repaying back debt. It's in the business to create value and create opportunity. And with the cost of capital as low as it is, it makes sense to borrow the money for investment purposes that will give a rate of return that would be good in of itself, but would also give the type of run rate to repay back the debt. So uh, take Archer's point, but this obsession about the absolute amount of the debt, I think, is, is missing a point completely. And there's also this other assumption that somehow all of this debt is owned by some foreigner somewhere. Yeah, a lot um, of it's owned A lot of it is, is actually uh, owned through our own pension funds mm. and so on. And I think that's probably where we need to be getting to next, is that, you know, it, it's not too far away that the government will have, hopefully, have to deal with the problem of too much money in the economy chasing after too, too few consumption goods. And so what we need to be is ready to ensure that the money that's in the economy is actually going into true investment to make sure that we actually get the type of society that Jack talks about and that we would all wish to have. Now that we're coming out of austerity, the opportunity is presenting itself. So I think the debt is not an issue. I think the sustainability. Well, hold on. What's the, the debt servicing cost for next year, Arthur? What's the debt servicing cost for next, uh, next year? Ballpark. Well, I mean, uh, rough, roughly, It'll I think eight, 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 eight and a half billion. Eight, eight and a half. Eight and a half. Billion. Billion. We could yeah. do a lot with eight and a half billion, Danny. You certainly could, but 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 
take the logical, so you're saying that we can gain this by <coughs> somehow clearing off the debt so we don't have to pay it. Well, we're it obviously never no going sense. to clear it uh, <coughs> entirely, but I, I'm saying we're continuing it, to borrow, we're continuing to add to our debt burden year on year on year. Well, for, well, also what you need to look at is that you're talking about the state debt here, but the people are the state. We own the state. And so the private sector balance sheets in terms of the household balance sheets, in terms of the corporate balance sheets have to be added into that sum as well. And so households are in huge surpluses in terms of their balance sheets, corporately, depending on what end of the spectrum you're in there. So you need to look at the totality of this as a society. And as a society, this is a rich society that now is beginning to have mm. options again. The obsession about the government debt is overdone. When we had a fiscal crisis, when people wouldn't lend us money, we had to deal with that. It became a primary order objective. It isn't a primary order now. The primary order is to get us back into sustainable peace, get more people back to work and get onto a virtuous cycle. Jack, do you think, I mean, because people are going to have a few more quid in their pockets, they're actually going to spend this money and stimulate uh, growth in the economy next year? Uh, I do, yeah, actually. It's not it's not a great deal of money now, not to be overstated. I think in relation to this discussion about the debt, by the way, uh, I, I, I think I'm correct in saying that um, we, we'll be running a primary surplus of around two, $2.3 billion. That's right. Uh, That's right. So, uh, I mean, ordinarily I would be concerned about about a primary surplus of, uh, of that degree. But from the point of view of the sustainability of debt, uh, you know, if, 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 if you can exceed... Uh, the, the, the total cost of, of of running the country, apart from servicing debt, uh, by 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 the order of of, of two point two point three billion, which is about uh, about three percent of GDP or a bit more, am I right? Yeah. Uh, uh, there thereabouts. Uh, uh, um, uh, I mean, uh, I mean that's that that is 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 uh, that is quite a good position to be in. Um, and and it it is a, a position from which, if we had an independent uh, country in the true sense of the word, we would be thinking about uh, about where we invested in terms of, of of building public infrastructure and public services and so on. And there's one there's one other point, yeah. uh, uh, which is more for the longer term. But but uh, but Danny's remarks provoke me to mention it. Uh, I, 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 I think we're a, a bit away from an overheating economy, but but the the projections that that upon which the the the, the, the government based the budget, the the medium term projections, uh, you know, yep. three four years, where where we are talking about three uh, percent plus of, of of GDP, three and a half percent, if that if that can be realised, that 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 raises the question as to how. The requirement uh, to manage money in a sustainable way uh, and, and, and to avoid inflation uh, um, allows us the opportunity to deal with, with another major social issue which isn't receiving very much attention at all. And that's around the fact that about half of, of the people that work today don't have any pensions. Mm. And, and uh, especially well, I suppose he has addressed it to some degree, doesn't he? Uh, in, in terms of the pension issue, he's taken the levy away. Um, so uh, for those who have pensions, yeah, that's, that's a, that's that's a, that's a helpful. No, that's a, yeah, but I'm talking about something else now. It, it is. You're actually, talking about those who don't. I, have pensions. I, I'm talking about the need. Yeah. You know, one of the one of the one of the one of the requirements that that we have to face up to, in the medium term, and that we have to be thinking about how to face up to to is is how to build a, a sustainable pension system. And uh, if you're talking about, uh, you know, and if we can sustain 
I think, by the way, it's questionable because because it's 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 to a very considerable degree dependent on what happens uh, outside this country. Mm. But but if we can sustain levels of growth of three and a half and four percent for you know for a, for a, for a period to extend over the life of a government. Yeah. Then you can begin to think of identifying the key, uh, 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 so uh, the, the key social concerns uh, that that we're faced with, and you can think, you can begin to think imaginatively of how you would you would incrementally build a pension system that that would not only address the the the, the demographic issue in the medium to longer term, but that that would also. Uh, provide some resources. It yeah. couldn't all be okay. used for it, but but some some resources. Danny, you were for, not for a, public infrastructure. When Jack was talking about investment and capital structure, you were you yeah, were kind of one, not. Yeah, there's one other element, I suppose, that um, you know, there is a sense that somehow yesterday we suddenly woke up and we're in a different Ireland. You know that we were gone from austerity into some kind of uh, new position. There's one very crucial piece about the economy that n- doesn't get enough mention is that Ireland is running very large balance of payment surpluses, mm-hmm. which means that we, tra- we, as a nation, are trading successfully over the last half a decade now, since the middle of 2009. It doesn't suit a political narrative that easily, but actually you could see that turnaround in our export performance. This is very different to our near neighbours, the United Kingdom, which are also growing quite strongly and have a low unemployment rate, but they have an enormous balance of payments deficit. So we've got a lot of confidence for this economy that we actually have the right kind of mix to have a sustainable model. The one thing I would disagree with, Jack, is that we're not that far away from overheating, and particularly now that we're making, having this interview in Dublin too. This town is not too far from overheating. You ask anybody who's out there in the property market, you ask anybody looking for skills and so on. It's there. not overheating as a result of the increases in wages, uh, uh, um, D- Danny. It's, 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 it, it, I don't know that you're, you, we're looking at overheating immediately, but, but we, we do have to be aware of the danger of that. There is no suggestion whatsoever that that, that, that is attributable in any way to wage inflation. That they, that they were up against the curve on investment, that what we need is, be it in the housing market or more generally, that we need to now ensure that in this part of the recovery, we're channeling as much resource as we can to sustainable investment. And sometimes things that, are, that I would consider to be investment, like the thousand teachers, that's investment, mm. although it'll go under current expenditure. Mm. You know, we, mm. So we don't need to get caught by the labels of, mm. of old economy. We need to see <coughs> but hold that on, people the, can be investment. And that goes to the SARP as well, that some people might have ideological objections to. I see that as an investment mm. in people. But SARP has, been, SARP has been a bit of a joke, hasn't it? I mean, it has because it was, it, was badly, it was badly constructed. It was, it was constructed on the basis of hoping nobody would use it effectively. Yeah. And that's uh, been addressed. Actually, here. maybe we'll just explain SARP to people, Arthur. It's a special assignee. Uh, relief program. It's a, uh, essentially uh, an income tax concession for international executives co- moving to high Ireland, paid. high paid, to work in large multinationals. The idea being that if you can persuade the leadership cadre, if you like, in large organisations to uh, come here and work in Ireland, but then they're more likely to bring their company with them and create more jobs. So it could be positive for FDI. Let's look at a few of the FDI elements, um, Arthur, because the double Irish is going. It's going to be gone by the end of 2020. It's going to be gone for new companies uh, on January 1st. Is this a good thing or not? 
Well, I, I think it's a recognition that the tide of international pressure eventually became overwhelming. Uh, there's been pressure on Ireland over corporate tax for many, many years. Uh, Dublin has been under pressure from London, from Paris, from Berlin, from Brussels, from Washington. Now, you can take issue with the degree of pressure that has come and the but, reasons but for that pressure. We're going but first. at the it's end of the day, we are going first. Aren't well, we? I think the problem that the, the government has is that the double Irish mechanism has become a byword for aggressive tax planning by corporations worldwide. And it's a very neat combination of two words. It almost fits uh, on a T-shirt or very perfectly into a newspaper headline. And the problem for the government has been is that this has become a... It has become a, essentially a stick with which the international community yeah. can beat the Donny, country. Donny, can I just ask you about IBAC's position on uh, Double Irish? Because I, I thought, some going back a little while, that um, you thought we should actually... You know, we shouldn't do anything yet. We shouldn't be preemptive. Um, but you seem to have changed your position recently. No, it's actually in the context that we shouldn't be preemptive in terms of the OECD BEPS work, um, because the OECD are going to, you know, the BEPS is base erosion, profit shifting, is that that's going to be uh, all countries are going to have to change their rules. And so, if that was the only thing that was going on, it didn't make any sense for unilateral action for Ireland in that context. So, was it specifically about that? But Arthur has said it's coming in different waves at us. It's coming through the European Commission case on the Apple case. It comes through these inversions that the uh, mm. Washington were talking about. And, you know, increasingly, Ireland was in the uh, very sharp end of this pressure. It made sense bec when we saw what the OECD were coming out with, that, that Double Irish was name-checked even in their press conference that the game was up. Sure. So it was a matter of timing. And so taking the advantage to go quickly became paramount. When the facts change, we change our opinion. From just 69.99 one way, new Ryanair Business Plus gives you premium seating, a flexible ticket, security fast track, a checked bag, but no business class curtain. Ryanair. Business made simple. Subject to availability. See Ryanair.com for more details. Arthur, does this take the heat out of the European Commission investigation around Apple? Um, I think the subtext in the government's move yesterday was that, yes, there's been pressure at the top line from the OECD, but the real concern that the government has had was that you were going to get another state aid investigation along the lines of the Apple investigation into companies which are beneficiaries of the double Irish. And that, in the government's view, I think would be uh, pretty bad news. It's for that reason, uh, uh, allied with all of the other uh, international pressure that, that they decided to go when they did. Will it be enough to appease them? This is the second budget in succession in which Michael Noonan has moved to close down like very contentious yeah. loopholes. Yeah. Listeners will remember that in the budget this time last year, he closed off the mechanism used by Apple to uh, cast the company as some kind of a stateless corporate entity to reduce its tax burden. Yeah. Jack, presumably you're happy to see the back of the double large? Yes, I, I think, though, that uh, um, we're doing quite well with, with our 12.5% uh, corporation tax rate. And uh, there is a focus on that uh, elsewhere in Europe, not, not just on the, on, on the double Irishes and the, and the other bits. Well, Michael Noonan suggested that will never change. It's not up for discussion. Uh, no, but, but, uh, yeah, but, it, but my point is, is, is that uh, dealing with disreputable uh, um, mechanisms and provisions... Uh, is is good from the point of view of 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 defending the twelve and a half percent rate, 
which is the jewel in the crown as far as as attracting uh, FDI is concerned. And uh, I think that it's good that uh, the, the double Irish was was dealt with. There may be one or two other things around there that that that, that could be dealt with. I'm in a rather uh, con- conflicted position in relation to the the twelve and a half percent rate because uh, obviously uh, we in the in the trade union movement in Ireland and internationally uh, are very virulently opposed to tax competition. Uh, and 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 if it continues in the direction that it's in, uh, we'll end up paying the corporations to come uh, mm. to, the con- to the to the various countries in Europe. But uh, nonetheless, given where we're at uh, on the periphery of Europe, and and given where we've been over the past five or six years, and the need for uh, for investment, uh, until we get a better formula that recognises our peripherality we have to protect the 12.5% rate and we have to do all the things uh, that are necessary to do uh, to protect it. Okay. We're getting tight in time and I, I do want to um, Sorry. I do want to talk to Danny about uh, this knowledge development box um, which is a bit of a mystery to people. Maybe you can explain it to us on it what it might a, mean in And a good segue into what Jack said there. Jack said with somewhat surprised that we might reach a situation where we have to pay companies to come here. We've been there. Ireland had a zero rate export tax and we gave grants to companies to come here. There's no illogicality in that. In fact, what the minister should have said, not that it would never change, but it wouldn't go up is what he really should be saying because the knowledge development box is looking at what other uh, jurisdictions, particularly Britain, who are aggressive on this, are offering up what they call a patent income box, but effectively it's a corporate tax rate. This is to do with intellectual property. With intellectual property, where most of the value is in, in many industries right now. So an effective corporation tax rate that is much lower than 12.5%. So the future for the corporation tax rate in Ireland will ultimately be downwards. And just on that point, Danny, you mentioned the UK and the patent box. I mean, the European Commission is having a very good look at the UK patent box at the minute. Are we not potentially opening up a can of worms Absolutely, here they're having a very good look. Yeah, this is the uh, question know, is as to it potentially breaching state aid. Absolutely, rule. but the question is in real politic with a society and one of the bigger member states of the European Union that may potentially be having a referendum about staying in that union. Do we really believe that they're going to close down all these avenues that a sovereign government is trying to use with its tax system? If that particular version of the patent income box gets closed down, you can be certain there will be another form of tax competition for corporations. It's a reality of the world we live in. Arthur. It's not- well, I, 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 I think the position is the government has resolved the government that, it, that it will go down this road, but only on the basis that they can do it with the blessing of Brussels. Now, what's happening in Brussels at the moment, the outgoing European Commission is finishing its work. The new commission is coming in under the presidency of Jean-Claude Juncker. Uh, he is a former Prime Minister of Luxembourg. Now, he is supposed to leave he's his... He's a tax haven in Ireland. Well, indeed. Now, he, he is supposed to leave his nationality uh, on, on the doorstep when he walks into work as President of the European Commission. But I think the reality is, is that uh, you know, this commission is charged with a very difficult job of getting the European economy back to work. And, uh, you know, I, w- w- one wonders whether there's going to be a huge appetite to go around challenging uh, these kind of mechanisms if it has shown that they are adding to the uh, level of economic activity on the ground. Jack, yesterday the minister announced that there'd be um, more money for a couple of hundred extra guards, a thousand extra teachers, and there will be other public service positions filled. That's good to see, obviously. Um, but your members in the public service, would they not prefer if the Haddington Road uh, elements in relation to their wage cuts were reversed first? 
Uh, our, our members in the public service um, haven't been to the fore in, 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 in the kind of controversy that developed about a year ago around uh, pay restoration versus versus tax cuts and, and so on. Um, I mean, the, the, the re- there is an agreement in place which envisages um, uh, um, th- th- things remaining stable until the 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 the, 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 the middle of I forget is it next 2016, year 2016 yeah. and and uh, I think that what we have to to recognise is that um, that that that's not going to that's not going to hold now in the context of uh, the, the turnaround that's very evident in the economy and there has to be a negotiation. Uh, and it has to take place in sufficient uh, t- time, uh, so, so that by Do we well, need more well, social partnership. Well, in advance. Well, I'm not hung up about social partnership. Uh, um, if, just first of all, in relation to the uh, to, to the, the the public service pay, I think that we have to we have to face up to the need to do. Uh, a, a new agreement on public service pay, and and it has to become effective from a date considerably in advance uh, of of the original date that was. So envisaged. do we need, need a new social well, we, partnership arrangement? Well, personally, uh, uh, it, uh, again, I'm conflicted on that. Social partnership or uh, uh, so, a social dialogue ty- type arrangement would be good for the economy, would be good for our society, would be good for workers but would be very bad for trade unions um, because uh, what happened in the past was uh, that uh, uh, the trade union movement stood up to the mark in terms of uh, uh, the, the, the last economic mess uh, that, that we, we got into domestically and uh, we ended up then being blamed for the collapse which was brought about by the activities of reckless people in the banking system and the failure of the people who were elected to regulate them uh, to, to, yeah. to do so. And we ended up uh, uh, being pilloried on the back pages of, of, of certain Sunday newspapers and, 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 and otherwise. Well, thankfully uh, we don't publish on a Sunday. So. Yeah, be, yes, we, you don't. Uh, 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 but, but by people who were to the forefront in promoting those who 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 played a pivotal role? Okay, I want to bring Danny in on this. The What's the employer's view? First, for it. first of all, on the pay pressures that are likely to emerge in the economy, and secondly, do we need uh, social partnership? Mark two. Well, I'll go. I'll go reverse if you don't mind. Um, I don't think we will have social partnership. I I don't think it would be appropriate. Actually, I think enterprise level bargaining, and I mean that for the government as well. That the government needs to strike it, a deal with its own workers. <clears throat> it has done so in Haddington Road. I think Jack is right. It's inevitable given the turnaround in fortunes coming a year earlier. What's really happened here in terms of the Troika programme and in terms of the austerity is 2015 has kind of come into 2014. I think the same pressures will be um, also around the 2016. So do you think it's inevitable that Haddington Road will be renegotiated? Oh, I've no doubt year? that, the, and that goes to the first part of the question. I've no doubt that wage pressures are coming. And I think that to Jack's point, no, I wouldn't call it social partnership because that had the centralised wage bargaining element. But I think there needs to be some discussion about incomes policy more generally, which involves wage developments, taxation, social welfare, pensions. Some norms are actually put out there because otherwise there will be a free for all uh, out there putting out fairly high rates that may not be actually sustainable and would undermine our recovery. Arthur, is there wriggle room in the budget mathematics to allow for a renegotiated Haddington Road? Uh, the position of the government is that there's no money next year to increase public pay. 
the position, however, is also that the government is willing to enter uh, some kind of a talks process with the public sector unions. Now, I think once that game begins, it's clear that that is going to take place in a, in a countdown to an election. Uh, so there's that element to the discussion. But there are also many, many people in the private sector who are looking uh, for some kind of a, an increase in their wages uh, as the economy, as the recovery uh, speeds up. So uh, I think once you get into a situation in which there are talks around public sector pay, well, then that's going to inevitably raise the question as to what goes on in the private sector. Well, is, there are some pay developments in the private sector. I mean, in the case of my own union, um, we, we, have, we have been doing pay agreements across the manufacturing sector. Uh, we've been doing pay agreements in some part of private sector services. Uh, so also has a mandate uh, in, in, in retail. And so they're not overwhelming the, the, the increases. What kind of pay increases are you Well, they're, they're running at about, uh, about 2%, uh, 2% a year, uh, which, uh, which not, notwithstanding the fact that they're, 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 they're modest, to say the least, they're nonetheless running ahead. Their real increases, it's, or some portion of, of them, they're running ahead of inflation. And it's a long time since we since we did, uh, you know, much ahead of inflation. But but uh, uh, so uh, it, there is another aspect to this, and and, and that's around, for example, uh, the refusal uh, of the hospitality sector employers uh, to uh, a, a, a engage in the in the joint labour committees, uh, which have been recently re-established, uh, e even though they enjoy a, a privileged position vis-à-vis uh, mm. vis their VAT rate. And uh, uh, it's quite quite frankly, it's not tenable. Uh, to, 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 for us to continue uh, w w with 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 the with the approach that we have been adopting in the trade union movement, which is a position of of trying to uh, to, to to ensure that uh, that the turnaround is achieved and that and that and that we and that we emerge from the mess, uh, it's not going to be sustainable for for us to continue doing so if um, uh, people who enjoy privileges. Uh, which are um, provided for them um, at the behest, at, at the expense of the taxpayer, continue to ignore um, mm. the, the institutions which have been established to, 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 to Let me just put that point uh, as a final point to Danny McCoy. How would you respond to that? Well, look, I, I think the hospitality is just like any other sector. It should be just market forces determine what the wage developments are there. We have a national minimum wage for looking for a floor, but the idea that a sector would have but, but its Danny, own minimum uh, wages uh, but Danny, uh, but, but Danny, special concessions in relation to fat rates have nothing to do with market forces. But I think that's that's a, that was a temporary kickstart that we said oh, as a no. society is that this is a job-rich type sector and it's clearly worked along with issues like the oh, gathering the and so this, but, is, this, is, but this fact, is given the growth that's actually allowing yeah, the, fact, the wage the fact, increase in the tax cuts. But the, but the fact of the matter is that, uh, so that, that our society and our taxpayers and our workers uh, and, and everybody else who contributes is taking a hit because one sector of the economy is enjoying a privilege which is is not being shared. But doesn't with the require who, minimum wages with, with, for with, that with, sector. With the, peop, with the people who are actually doing the work. Okay, I'll have to step in here as referee and uh, ring a bell, ring a metaphorical bell at least. Uh, that's it for this week. My thanks to Danny McCoy, to Art Beasley and to Jack O'Connor for joining me in the studio. I'd also like to thank uh, Sinead O'Shea, the producer and sound engineer JJ Vernon. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care. <laughs>